Hi, Niklas. What was your first computer? My first computer, I think it was a Commodore 64. And the first programming language was BASIC because that, that was actually the machine I started to, to develop at least my very first steps. So uh, you got this C64 and you started programming immediately? Yeah, well, not immediately. Um, obviously, it was not my computer, but my, my family's computer. And we started to play games as everyone. But um, yeah, I was very curious to, to figure out how all of this works, right? And one of my friends actually had one and, and had started a little earlier. So I wanted to, to try it myself. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, it was very interesting. You know, I mean, it was really simple things, right? Things like change the color of a font, these types of things, very first steps. But yeah, that, that was my first experience. Exactly. Changing the color of the font. This was actually yeah. fa fairly easy with BASIC. I also did it. I completely forgot yep. about that. As a, um, it was Biggie Color or something, right? Was, what, was, what was the command? Uh, I, I don't remember. Something like that. So it was, yeah, exactly. And uh, what was your favorite game back then? So, or what was your first game you saw on the C64? Oh, um, I think it was Frogger. You know Frogger? No. What, what is it? It was like, um, uh, what's it called? Um, run and, all these called the, these, these games. Um, like, like, like platform game. So where like Super Mario 2D where. Yes. Um, something like that. Yes. Okay. So and everything two dimensional, obviously, mm -hmm. but yeah, um, it was pretty cool. And then my next computer was actually a PC. I think a 286, it was called one of the first PCs. And that one I got several years later. And that was the one where I really started to program. And I think it was Turbo Pascal as far as I remember. Mm -hmm. And I started to borrow books and and learned everything myself. And uh, I gave myself a challenge to program a game. Mm -hmm. and it was a shooter game. And it was a lot of fun to program. And I actually looked the other day whether I still have the source code because I wanted to open source it just for fun. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't find it anymore. It's, it's too bad. But, um, yeah, that was... Um, and that that was really exciting, you know. The first time I, I actually finished something that other people could use as well um, was a really good feeling. Okay, and um, back then with C sixty four, there was no serious programming you did. So you just you know you 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 used basic to to script some stuff, or was it something more? It, it was really it was really easy stuff. So um, I, I remember I remember correctly. I mean, this is so long ago, but you could buy some magazines and they would um, contain source code for games that you would have to type mm -hmm. manually. Mm -hmm. And and then I was trying to understand, you know, what, what I would type there. And I mm -hmm. think that's, again, made me curious to, to learn more about this technology. But yeah, it was rather simple stuff for sure. I mean, so, I was uh, only like maybe 10 the, or maybe What was the ratio of time spent between gaming and programming? So you spend more time gaming or more time programming? It was probably more gaming, uh -huh. um, I guess. Okay. And the uh, um, the eighty eighty six computer or the uh, whatever it was, the PC? 286. 286, yeah. okay. Um, you started immediately programming or you also played games back then? No, that one I actually um, started to do program right away. Okay. Um, no gaming anymore? Yeah, not no great gaming anymore. I mean, I, I'm not really a gamer, um, but... Again, I wanted to do to program something that other people could use, and that's why I chose that game to develop. And okay. uh, I also I also used the the PC to create the um, the magazine for for my school for for the end of the school. Mm -hmm. So I used um, Microsoft Word, I guess it was at that time. Mm -hmm. well, I'm not sure anymore. Those types of things, and then you know graphic programs. So mm -hmm. yeah, which school was it? Steps. It was a, a local school here, mm -hmm. a gymnasium here, and okay. close to where I live. Mm -hmm. So yeah, cool. And uh, so you started hacking, programming, and you wrote your first game. Did it work? So it was a shooter game. What was the name of the game? UFO. Um, what, what's the English word for it? Um, UFO. So yeah, this. Uh, yeah, it's probably the same. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, um, and. Um, yeah, it was very simple, right? So basically, you could only use the cursor um, keys mm -hmm. to, to move left and right, and then mm -hmm. you could move the, the up um, um, key to actually shoot. And you would mm -hmm. shoot three at the one at one time, and the UFO was, was flying at the top. So that, that was it. Okay, yeah. At least something. I mean, it was a casual yeah. game. And um, um, what I wanted to ask you is... How you got the idea to program it? So you knew that you can do something with a computer, you no know, beyond playing, or 
why you wanted to do this? So this is all. Yeah, that, that, that's a good question. I mean, I would, I guess it was because I talked with other people. Um, sometimes they were older, sometimes in my class who had already a computer and they would tell me all the things that they are able to do. And mm -hmm. I remember at that time also, I think the first graphical user interfaces came up. Mm -hmm. uh, the first Windows user interfaces, and then there was actually the latest and greatest version of Turbo Pascal, who would allow you to build your own graphical user experiences. And I found that very, very interesting, and uh, something I wanted to do because, you know, I, I use these graphical programs like Windows Word and others, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to be able to do something similar. And uh, I, I, I don't know why, but but that really motivated me to do more. Okay, cool. Um, so, what was the next? Uh... Uh, app you wrote after UFO? I think that was in university and I, I don't remember exactly what it was. So um, probably some exercises or classes okay. that we had to take. Um, so, you, so you became demotivated also hacking the UFO? You lost interest in programming? Well, I, I didn't really lose interest, but um, you know, at, at one point the, the computer you know became very old and outdated. Okay. <laughs> and, and there was no way for me to get a new one until mm -hmm. just couple of years later mm -hmm. and and then when i went to university i had the chance again to 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 use better machines and, mm -hmm. and better software mm -hmm. and, and that's when i picked it up again and then after that i never ended again <laughs> until today so it's so, okay so at, at the university you learned a different programming language or you stick with turbo pascal no no it oh, what was it it was so in the last year it was actually java that okay. I remember, but before that, it was something else, another object-oriented programming language. I, I forgot what it was. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there were a couple of other programming language, uh, languages I also used to work at the university. Mm -hmm. um, and, and there was, I forgot what it was. It's too long ago. Okay, and where was the university? In Paderborn, which is, as ah. you know, right in the middle of Germany here. Okay, nice. This is actually a nice area. And, um, and, um, how you got the idea to to study computer science? Well, I wanted to. So first of all, I wanted to to study um, just development. Um, but but then, people told me at the university that it would be stupid just only to learn um, development. They said it's not better to do um, a mixture of economy and um, and programming right mm -hmm. because they said and, and that's really funny because they said at the time and that was like 25 years ago mm -hmm. they said that everything was already developed and there's no point <laughs> for to, to have new developers to have more developers and yeah. okay uh, it, it's amazing yeah yeah but back then i, I think the who was it? i think bill gates had a, a similar theory right like uh, there will be no no bill gates who, who said it there will be just there is no need for more than one computer yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's funny. And then the 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 thing is that at that university there was um, you know strong let's say community and a well known professor who would who specialized on collaboration technologies, especially IBM Notes and IBM Domino. Mm -hmm. And that I found very interesting, and that's why I basically worked on that for the next fifteen years, right? Because I like being able to build new applications with rapid application development techniques. So that you see the value kind of immediately. You know, I, I really love that. And that's one of the things that Notes Domino was really good in, right? You didn't have to to do much. You didn't have to be, you know, a low-level developer. You could very easily define your simple, let's say, line of business applications from which users could benefit immediately, right? So that's mm -hmm. what I really liked. And uh, again, I think that was one of the biggest strengths of IBM Notes Domino at that time. So you... Uh... So you had the opportunity to program notes at the university? Um, uh, indirectly. So I, I wrote my master thesis at the university and it, it, it used um, Notes Domino, but mm -hmm. I, I also worked in parallel for a startup. And, and that startup um, built a product called Lotus Workflow, which was an extension to IBM Notes Domino. Mm -hmm. right? So, so there I, I implemented Notes Domino, Lotus Script, etc., but then also um, Java. I created the first java user interface for a workflow tool um, which would run in the browser it was a java applet mm -hmm. um, with all the pros and cons mm -hmm. primarily cons mm -hmm. um, but it was a lot of fun and a good learning experience as well mm -hmm. um i think it was nearly the same time i also had to use uh, lotus notes as a database and mm -hmm. uh, we had to integrate it from java and there was a 
kind of a GDBC driver, I remember. Yeah, what, yeah. What I also remember is uh, there was a product called Octopus or something, like the office extension for, for Nodes, and we also had to integrate. So Nodes was big back then. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this was like a huge, uh, was it around, it was, I think, even before 2000. It was around 2000. Well, yeah. No, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was even before, yeah. Yeah. And um, and your startup did well? Uh, well, it was acquired by IBM. So, yes. Um, well, oh, we, okay. the thing is, it, I, I started to work there knowing that I wouldn't earn money because they were basically bankrupt. They're, they didn't have money anymore. Okay. So, people couldn't be paid. But I started to work there anyway because I knew that rumor that IBM has an interest to acquire the company. Ah, cool. So, mm -hmm. and, and, and that worked out perfectly for me because just two months later, um, the acquisition happened and I was one of the lucky ones who got an offer to move over to Boston. Ah, um, okay. So yeah, and that, that worked out perfectly for me. And I really wanted to go to the US. I remember that exactly. My English wasn't good. It was even worse than today. Right. And I, I remember I went over there and they told me, you know, what I would earn. And I, I agreed. I said, yes, absolutely. You know, I want to do that. As it turned out, I didn't even understand what they offered me because <laughs> when I got my first paycheck, it was like 60% more. So, okay, cool. It's, you know, I, I really wanted to work there no matter what. Right. It wasn't because of the money. I wanted to have an adventure. I wanted to learn new stuff wanted to try out new things and um, that, that was just perfect for me right because it allowed me to to work there and, and that's why i worked for teams in the us for like 15 or 18 years actually in boston um, no i i so i was there i, I lived there for three years oh, well one and a half years full-time and um, then my um, girlfriend at the time wanted to move back so I started to travel every two weeks back and forth to mm -hmm. between Boston and, and Paderborn. Mm -hmm. um, at, at, at one point, I, I stopped doing that and I basically only worked remotely, mm -hmm. um, except of some, some business trips, obviously. Mm -hmm. Why so, so why your strategy was so indirect? So why you didn't just apply it right away to work in USA somewhere? So why you had to, you know, to join the startups when, and wait until they buy you? Well, I, I'm not sure how it works today, but, but back then, you know, it was really hard, I would say almost impossible, right? Like okay. there was this green card lottery, ah, but you, okay. you would have to be very, very lucky to win a, a green card. Otherwise, you have you had to have a visa, an, an H1. Was it an H1? I, I forgot. But that one you would only get if you would work in a company um, in, in Germany, which is a, which, which belongs to a U.S. company. Okay. Okay. So, so it wasn't so... As far as I understand, it, it wasn't even possible to just, you know, go to the U.S. directly. Ah, so you wanted um, to work in USA. You didn't want to work for IBM, right? So you, you wanted to work for IBM in USA. This was your strategy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Okay. Well, okay. At, at that point, I wasn't really thinking about IBM, to be honest. It was Lotus back then. Mm -hmm. Even though Lotus was still acquired by IBM, it was still basically a separate entity, mm -hmm. right? But, but, but soon after that, I think two or three years later, it was really IBM. Yeah. And uh, back yeah. then, uh, or back then, uh, I would say in the early 2000s, um, Lotus Nost didn't have a great name, but um, it was actually one of the first NoSQL databases, right? So they... Um, yes. Yeah, and it was uh, based on, on actually CouchDB, right? So the main developer from Nodes went over and uh, and tried you know, to re-engineer the... the uh, Backend from notes, and so this is how I think CouchDB yeah. happened, right? Yes, I, I mean it, it, it did base on CouchDB, right? Because it, the notes SQL was done first, and then, as you said, you know, one of the developers um, founded CouchDB. Yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and the, the the thing that I really love about IBM Notes Domino, right? And I think that's the main reason why it it, it it was so successful back then is that everything you need to build applications comes in one box. Like you install a Domino server, you know, just a couple of minutes. Um, and then you get a database, you get security, you, you, you get, um, you know, a tool to, to write code. Um, you know, you can do replication for offline access and, and everything, right? Everything in one box, an organization directory, no need to set up any other software to do simple things. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that's a brilliant concept. And I think, um, um, I think that's also one of the reasons why OpenShift is so successful. 
because yeah. it's it's kind of similar when you think about it because it, it gives you everything that Kubernetes has and Kubernetes is great and everyone likes it but it's way too hard to use so they add um you know a docker registry to it and and they add you know a, a deployment pipeline to it you know that sort of stuff yeah and and i think that's why people really like it because you know many things or most of the things you need you you get when you install or use openshift yeah the out of the box experience exactly exactly mm -hmm. yep uh, and of course the replication so it was a huge thing i remember yes the, absolutely yeah, it, it was absolutely innovative i, mm -hmm. I don't think anyone mm -hmm. else had something similar like that at that time because yeah. at that time, right? Yes, I mean, 20 years ago, people started to 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 do web applications, but but really, most of them, like 95%, probably, used the rich desktop client. Yeah. Okay. And and for them to be able to replicate was just perfect, right? Mm -hmm. Because the network was slow, um, and and you know you would be able to travel and and so forth. So replication was a huge thing for sure. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, the was also interesting back then the CouchDB. Was a huge hit. So uh, and uh, and no, it wasn't that. So so what I so what is interesting now? If you repackage something, uh, just uh, with a little bit marketing, it becomes uh, huge. But Notes mm -hmm. had the same technology for years, and no one was really interested yeah. because it was the name was Notes and Domino. It's not that funky like CouchDB, right? This is well back at, back, yeah. back in that back back then, right? There was there was actually a huge interest. I mean, there were literally thousands of customers and ten thousands of applications that were built with that technology yeah but not uh, amongst for... developers you know this is more like a more business yeah. interest yeah, yeah exactly right it was more like the line of business developers let's say right yeah, exactly. the, the people who don't code the full day but mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. work in a line of, in a department and, and need to provide some tools for, mm -hmm. for their colleagues and yes so 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 how you learn java the... So you started with the with the workflow applet, but you had to, yes. to know Java. So how, how, what was your your road to Java? Um, I mean, it, it, at that time Java was pretty new. I think it was only around for like one or two years. If mm -hmm. I, I don't know, it was mm -hmm. pretty new. Um, yeah. And I, I think I just learned it myself, as, as I do it most of the times. I, I look for samples. I look for documentation. Mm -hmm. Because I'm not sure whether I actually had a Java course at the university or whether that was only by working for the employer. I, okay. I, um, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think I just, I mean, the way I work in general is when I have a problem, I try to find something similar and try to use that as a starting point or try to use it to, to learn from. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, see how far I get. Okay. And, and you like Java from the beginning or what was your impression? Um, absolutely. I, I think it was a really clean programming language. Um, again, it was much um, more lightweight and, and simpler than today, obviously, right? Because it has grown like crazy over the last 20 years, mm -hmm. maybe even too much in mm -hmm. some areas. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was, was relatively easy, right? I mean, but, but, but the applet thing, obviously, right, um, <laughs> it didn't really work, right? It was way too slow, way mm -hmm. too buggy, mm -hmm. you know, browser problems. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I wasn't the, the biggest the Java fan because of that, because it, it just didn't work in the front end. Mm -hmm. And I did front end work with Java, right? Mm -hmm. um, and to be honest, I, I built this thing, um, but it, it was never productized mm -hmm. because it, it didn't, didn't work well enough. And it wasn't, I, I don't think it was really my fault. Maybe it was also my fault because I didn't recognize it or didn't see it earlier, mm -hmm. but the technology was just not there. Okay. And why IBM bought your startup? They wanted to acquire the product or the knowledge. Yes, but, mm -hmm. well, actually, both, right? The 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 product definitely. So um, it, it used to be called how did we call it back then? Um, Processware or something, I think. One stone Processware, and then it became Lotus Workflow. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so they took over the project, and uh, at that time it was um, pretty successful. So there was um, several bigger um, organizations who used it, but obviously they were also interested in in getting new people, right? Um, mm -hmm people with, with, with the skills that they would need and it wouldn't have to teach or learn, educate. So, yeah, it was a combination. Even though from, I think, from, as far as I remember, from the 100 people that worked for that startup, only 10 got an offer to get to come over. 100 um, people for a in a startup, these are this crazy. Yeah, it, it, it grew really, really fast. Like when I started there two years earlier, or was it one year earlier? I don't know. It was like 10 people. Okay. <laughs> and, and their strategy was to grow right yeah. they, they they just wanted to grow and they grew way too fast right yeah. um 
because there were many, many problems. You, you wouldn't get good people and, um, you know, a lot of communication issues and so forth. But yeah, that, that was their strategy to, to grow as fast as possible in, in terms of people, not in terms of business necessarily. Well, that, that was also the goal, obviously, but it didn't work out. Yeah. So the acquisition was certainly the best thing that could happen at that time for everyone but who worked there. This happened all over the, uh, the place back then. So I remember all startups wanted to, to grow like crazy and I never got it. It's like, why? What is this is actually crazy business strategy. Just know you, you are growing, you you're increasing the risk that uh, you have yep. to you know you have to, to have more and more revenue. And this was just yep. crazy. But no one I had actually some talks with the managers and owners from some startups back then and no one could explain me why they are doing this. They just wanted to grow. Because they say if they don't grow, they 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 they, they, they won't become relevant. So okay, yeah, but I mean Okay. Yeah, no, you're right. It, now, now that you mentioned it, it was pretty common at that time. At that time, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And and your startup was in Paderborn as well. Yes. Okay. Yes. Cool. And uh, so as I said, there was this big IBM Nodes Domino community here at university at the university, and um, pretty much everyone who worked for that startup came from that university. Ah, cool. And uh, how was the living in Boston? So were you amazed about you know? The, the the your your working environment in Boston were you disappointed back then or what was your spirit the first month? The, the work environment was awesome. Okay, you know, I had a, a nice office in the sixth floor with a view um, over the city. It, it was amazing, and I was so young and I had this office. I was really proud. It was, was perfect. Um, we had a great team, you know, really motivated people. Mm -hmm. um, it was really fun to to work there for sure. Um, again, the main problem was that I that my English was so bad, um, so I had to to catch up there. But then other um, other than that, the living um, was okayish. You know, let's let's put it this way. Um, they put me in a in an apartment um, right in the middle of the city, and okay. uh, let's say um, I had um, some issues with cockroaches and oh. um, mice, and you know, I, I mean, it was was crazy. So um, it was bio crazy. bio apartment. You had a lot of it animals, was a, right? Yeah, it was a living apartment, yeah. Okay. It was uh, and you couldn't but, but, and you couldn't change or why? Because Well I I tried everything um and, and they gave me something that was a little bit better and my well, well I survived. It was only for like the first year and then I took my own apartment and that one was much better. Okay. So. And um what you did then? So you uh, kept working on your product or, or you switched tasks or what? Yeah, well, obviously, right? When you, I, I've worked for IBM now for 20 years, and and that sounds scary for many people. But the thing is that IBM is so big, um, you know, you can do different things like every year or whenever you want. It's this is one of the main reasons why I, I love working for IBM, which is they, they they give you the chance to change, to 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 develop yourself, your skills, to try other things, right? And uh, I used to work in different development teams. I, you know worked on core development tasks at some point. I used to be an architect at some other point, a lead architect for Nodes Domino app dev capabilities. Then I worked more on community related aspects and I you know, had some responsibilities that had to do basically more with product development, uh, with um, uh, with offering management than, than, than the development part. So, you know, it's 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 pretty cool that, that you can try all of these different things in, in one company, um, very yeah. convenient. But in Boston, you stick with the uh, workflow. Uh... Yeah, I, I don't remember exactly how long it was, but at least two years, I would guess. Mm -hmm. And then we figured out, um, you know, the workflow tool that we built was not the only workflow tool within IBM, but they were actually 18. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and that was obviously crazy. So um, we we sat together and, and defined a strategy to really focus on basically one. Um, and, and to build one that, that that can be used in all of these different um, scenarios, mm -hmm. and um, the 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 biggest other one um, was the I th I'm not sure how it was called back then WebSphere workflow I think it was or process choreography mm -hmm. um, I think WebSphere workflow at that mm -hmm. point, and so we we teamed up with with the German team um, here in Bubling because that's that's where most of that development was done, and and we built together with them the the next version of WebSphere workflow. Mm -hmm. And um, and that was all Java, and and my responsibility was to lead a team of developers um, who would develop the the front end. Okay. And I think and, and I think it was JSPs at that at, at that time. So mm -hmm. um, again, that was when I was working with Java again. 
Okay. And 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 back then, until then, it was it was Java. So you did Lotus script, or what was the language you you wrote? Um, I think it was most of the time in that time really Java. And I don't think I did have done a lot with the Lotus script. Okay. And which ID you used? Visual H for Java oh, or, or Visual H for Java exactly. Okay. Which was uh, amazing actually. The only strange thing about Visual H for Java was you you were only able to see one single method. Remember that? Because it operated on a repository. So you had to export the code. So yeah, how, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So how Visual H was for really really slow. That is the main thing that I remember. It wasn't that slow as if the project was huge, it was slow. But uh the uh what what I liked, by the way, uh, back then, uh, I really liked IBM because uh, for me, I also started early with Java, but IBM had really interesting things. For instance, uh, they had the AlphaWorks, I think, was the page. AlphaWorks, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and DeveloperWorks. And there was like, you know, uh, weekly new small projects and libraries, which were really interesting. Then this visual age for Java came out. And what I liked, the look and feel was completely different to the two other Java projects. So there was always a fresh look, uh, fresh branding and design. So I liked the design back then. Mm. And what IBM also did, they had somehow a cooperation with the Palm Pilot, I remember. And there was like integration, Java integration, which ran on Palm Pilot, which I was really excited back then. So IBM for me back then was like a Java innovator. It still is, but b b <laughs> back then there was no less choices. So uh, Oracle yeah. was also similar back then. They also innovated a lot, but uh, IBM did the AlphaWorks thing and uh, DeveloperWorks. What I didn't like a lot was the website itself. It was a little bit uh, slow, but the, uh, the the whole other environment I really appreciated back then. Yeah, no, absolutely. And And IBM also did a lot in terms of advocating Java. I think we had one of the first teams, if not the first team, with you know a bunch of people whose responsibility it was only to promote Java you know, yeah. at conferences, you know, go out and talk about it. And what um, IBM, samples. what IBM had back then, I remember, was the first attempt. It was uh, like a simple Graal VM. So we, uh, it was called. You remember that it was a JVM from IBM, IBM where you could cross compile bytecode to native code. I will have to um, look it up. You yeah, know what I mean? Okay. There was, uh, no. uh, and, and there was like, um, and they also had a. Um, oh yeah, no, there was something. Yes. Yeah, and they had also a compiler written in assembly or something, which was crazy fast. So that these two things were really interesting. So that and we have to look it up because uh, the compiler was it was a crazy fast compiler from IBM, where just mm -hmm. you know uh, because the the Java compiler is written in Java and the IBM compiler was somehow optimized, so it was crazy fast. And this um, and there was the optimized JVM. It's like J9 right now. It was there was different name back then. So we'll have to look it up. So um, mm -hmm. perfect. So uh, for me, it was like uh, IBM was a really interesting company, and uh, well, like a uh, deep Java. Is. Yeah, yeah, it is still is, but it's completely different right now. Um, uh, yeah. And back then was like, um, yeah, now it's in, even even more interesting. But uh, back then was more, let's say, exciting for me. You no, know, as a mm -hmm. young Java developer, and, and IBM came with you no know, crazy ideas right away. So for me, it was uh, interesting to watch. Mm -hmm. um, okay, so um, you spent uh, lots. Of your time with Java, JSPs, and workflow. So, what happens after uh, IBM Workflow? Um, I, I I worked on IBM Notes Domino directly. Um, okay. I mean, I, I did many, many things, but um, you know, one of the the key things that I did was to work on the application development model for IBM Notes Domino, mm -hmm. especially in the eight release. And at that point, I was lead architect. Okay. With a, a pretty big team actually in th on three continents. Mm -hmm. Um. And, and and that was you know very interesting and everything, mm -hmm. um, but you know one, one thing I, I well one thing I didn't like was that I didn't really have time enough time to develop myself anymore. Okay, like, I, I don't know how many people, but there was pro certainly forty developers, and I, I basically would only do project management and high level architecture, drawing boxes, and um, that was something that I at some point didn't really like anymore. Mm -hmm. The other problem was that at that time, I guess, you know, we we hadn't really listened enough, closely enough to customers what they wanted. And I, I think what we wanted to build, what we called composite applications, basically like a portal for mm -hmm. Notes Domino, mm -hmm. um, wasn't really what, what our customers wanted. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, I, I think that project went on for, I don't know, two, maybe even three years. 
And after that, people didn't really want it. Okay. So that was very disappointing. And that's when I basically changed again completely. And I said, that doesn't make sense. You know, we, we, we need to change the, the model we operate. And there, there was a really strong community around IBM Notes Domino, many loyal customers and partners, freelancers. And, and, and they had this um, open source site, openntf.org. But without any governance model, without a legal model or anything, right, run by only one single person. And I said, you know, we should really, you know, support our community. We should really work closer together with them to understand what they need. Mm-hmm. And and that's when I basically started for the next five years to work on basically OpenNTF.org okay. as a tech lead for the technical committee um, lead. And so we, we created a nonprofit organization. We brought in 10 or more than 10 partners um, who, who would be um, who would represent their companies in, in the different boards. Um, we, we had a, um, we introduced an IP model, you know, mm-hmm. um, which, which licenses you could use. We had an IP manager who would do IP clearance. So OpenNTF at that point really grew to a really professional, um, open source site. Um, and basically we, we kind of mirrored the, the, the best from Eclipse and Apache. We, we basically learned from them and, and created something for, for just for IBM Nodes Domino. Mm-hmm. Because on Eclipse and and Apache, probably nobody would have recognized it. So we wanted to have our own um, site, and that was really successful for the next years. There were many contributions. I ran many development contests um, with with many people. Um, I mean, it was was a great time, a lot of fun, and I really enjoyed to be able to work that closely together with with the developers who actually used our technology. I, I think that was really the best thing. Mm-hmm. What's um, What's fascinating? Two 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 things. One, what you already said about uh, in Boston, that you recognized that there were several workflow teams and the developer met and tried you know, to refactor, think what could be the future by merging the uh, the efforts. And the next thing is what you also said right now is that you that you saw as an architect, you know, a community and, and, and you think, okay, uh, I would like to support that. Why it's interesting? Because usually if you are not inside a company and you would observe a huge company from the, from, from the outside, you know, someone could say, hey, uh, evil IBM, they are just, you know, killing one great workflow product. And what happens actually inside is a completely different story. Or yeah. the same story with the community. You know, you decided to support the community. It was your personal decision. And someone could, you know, observe on a reporter, whoever, IBM from the outside and say, hey, uh, now IBM invests, you know, heavily into communities and they try, you know, I don't know what, uh, I don't know, break their competition or whatever. And uh, this is always, you know, um, such a larger decisions sometimes in huge companies. They happen by, you know, uh, ideas, you know, during their lunch break by, you know, architects, developers or whoever. And uh, this is uh, fascinating because there is yeah. no huge IBM or huge Oracle or huge whoever. This is just, you know, Absolutely. people Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Sometimes when I hear people, external people talk about IBM, they, as you said, right, they say IBM things, IBM wants. Yeah, you know, know, this is, I mean, this is in, in most cases really not the case. I mean, yeah, and it was the same with Sun Microsystems. Okay, Sun and Sun had, for instance, uh, two research centers, and there was really uh, the uh, the question about what they they, 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 they they spoke back then because there were you no know, one in the near of San Francisco, the other near of New York, as I remember, and they had completely different ideas. Oracle, the same, you know, evil Oracle something. There's not evil Oracle. Someone decided something and probably... You know, the yep. CTO or CEO from Oracle or IBM have absolutely no idea what even open yep. ATF or whatever is, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And uh, this is why I ask you so many questions about the Boston, you know, to find out how it actually works. So you had your time with your product and at one point you say, okay, now it's time to optimize or refactor that. And this was decision from bottom-up decision. And you went to managers and say, we could optimize something. Is this how it works? You mean when we... When I did the community part, yeah, community part and the Boston part, yeah, yeah, yeah. The well, the community idea, yes, that was actually my own idea. So that role um, didn't even exist. So I worked together with my tech leads and and um, executives. Yeah, but you I had to go to executive and go and say, look, yes, this is okay, what you yeah, have to the, do. You have to sell the idea first, and then you got yes. the appro- approval, and then you go e- for it, right? Exactly, okay. exactly. And uh, and in Boston was similar. So you had uh, we have too many workflow products. We should work with Germany or something. Or was it? Uh, yeah, no. I, at that point, I was certainly more junior, right? And that was. I okay. mean, I wasn't really involved. Well, I was involved after the decision was basically made. 
mm-hmm. um, but but it, it wasn't really me. It was really my my tech leads at that time. Okay. And and other people. Okay. So I can't take the credit for that. On uh, the notes community is still vibrant. So uh, I lost track about uh, notes. So it's still vibrant and operating or. <laughs> To be honest, I also lost a little bit track okay. because there's too many other things that I'm, I'm really working on. Um, I, I know that um, IBM sold the whole collaboration business, IBM Notes Domino and Connections and same time and others to HCL. HCL, um, okay. And um, as far as I understand, most of the developers from IBM actually moved there as well. So mm-hmm. they didn't only buy the product, but also the, the people. Okay. And it looks like there's some sort of revival going on. Um, like there's a whole, you know, people at HCL are very motivated. And, um, but, but, but I can't really comment. Okay. I, I know too little about what, what's really going on there so right now. When was it with OpenNTF, your involvement with the uh, Nodes community? Do you remember that? <laughs> Yes, it was. I mean, many different things. The first, the, the most important thing was to to establish a real organization because for IBM to be able to participate in something like that, we had to have clear rules. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we, we as IBM, for example, right, we, we couldn't easily, let's say, participate in, in an open source site that would allow licenses like GPL, let's mm-hmm. say. Okay, so so that was a problem. So. So we basically started to to create a new organization. We 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 pulled in partners, which was mm-hmm. my job to 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 find them and to and to get them motivated. I mean, obviously it wasn't only me, but it was also part of my job. Um, we had to build up this legal um, um, system governance model, right? Had to find an IP manager, had to get all the approvals in place, etc. So that was the first time, and and that took longer than I. Than I wanted. I don't know how long it took, maybe like a year or so. And people from the outside said, oh, look at IBM, wants to help open NDF, and all they do is slow down things. So that was the first reaction. Okay. But once we had these models established, it, it became very successful, right? Because we could do all of these, you know, development contests, which were a lot of fun as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then since we now established this new open um Open NTF um, organization, right? Um, we as IBM were able to publish a lot of open source there. Mm-hmm. So before that, actually, we hadn't done it. We couldn't. We, we were not allowed to legally. Okay. And then we, we could publish so much stuff like X Pages is a development model in uh, IBM Notes Domino at, the, mm-hmm. at least at that time. Mm-hmm. And and we published lots of extensions for that programming model on Open NTF. And we you know we we basically um, asked all developers within our organization to contribute whatever they like. If, if they have a tool, you know, contribute it. We, we actually put it in, in in the goals of the, the IBM developers internally that they at least once a year, they should open source something, mm-hmm. right? So, so really, we really pushed this forward and it, it worked out very well. And also, since at that time, I had more time again to work on not only the the, the, the organizational things, um, I, I was able to, to build code myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I used that website, that organization to experiment with things. For example, I, um, you know, showed how to build your first mobile apps with uh, web development. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, so I, I basically extended X pages um, to, to be able to, to run devices with an optimized, uh, to, to build um, applications optimized for, for mobile devices, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and at, that, at, that, at some point, after like a year of experimenting with these things, um, the, the code was actually moved back into the code and into the product. Okay, mm-hmm. so and it became an official um, feature from IBM Notes Domino. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that was a great model, right? You would work out there um, in, in the open and then put it back into in, into your product. I mean, it's it's kind of like you know the the, the whole model of, of Red Hat, right, with their upstream projects, um, and then actually you know having also a commercial version of those. Mm-hmm. Which um, year was it? You know, when was it roughly? Uh, that was um, from 2010 around. Oh, okay. I would say. And what happens then? So mm-hmm. you uh, you after OpenNTF. So what you did then? After OpenNTF, I did a couple of little things. But then the next bigger thing was that I I was looking for an, another um, bigger change, mm-hmm. and um, I, I wanted to do more with the cloud. You know that that's so okay. like six years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe five. I don't remember exactly. Um, the, the cloud came up, right? And I, I, I found that very, very interesting, right? This, this, this capability for developers to literally click together the hardware you need within minutes. You know, this is this was amazing um, because before that, as you know, right, you had to 
you know, buy hardware, you had to find maybe an administrator to install new application server versions or security fixes, and now you could just go to the cloud, click, you know, I need an application server, here you go. Um, you know, so I, I wanted to learn more, and I started at that time to work in a team in the first IBM um, team responsible for um, developer outreach, so basically team of developer advocates, and that was part of the IBM Emerging Technologies um, organization where I worked. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, that, that allowed me to learn many other technologies, you know, mm-hmm. the, the cloud, lots of things about, I don't know, databases, AI came um, a little bit sooner than or later, um, and, and obviously Jabber, Node.js, um, you know, Cloud Foundry, um, a little later Docker, obviously, right? And then up to now with Kubernetes and Istio and Knative and Tekton and serverless and what have you. Yeah, but what you did exactly? So you wrote like sample apps or you had some... Yeah, exactly. So two, I mean, I, I guess two things. One, we, we um, visited lots of international international conferences, mm-hmm. right? And we had a booth and sessions and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we we did developer con- uh, development contests. And yeah, then the second part was to, to build samples because mm-hmm. at that point we, we didn't, certainly didn't have enough samples, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, because the product development teams, they were focused more on the on the actual services mm-hmm. rather than samples. And then, as I noticed, and this is not IBM specific, but in, in general, right, many times you can see the organization of a um, of, of a company in, in, you know, what services and products they deliver, right? Uh, which means they, you have one team responsible for service A, another team for mm-hmm. service B. Mm-hmm. And then what, what is often missing are samples that show you how to use both together and when does it make sense and, and so forth, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the samples that I created were mostly about how to use all of these different things together to mm-hmm. do something that, that you couldn't do before. Mm-hmm. And was okay, it your so, idea or was it like a sponsorship from the IBM cloud or what was behind? So why? Why you did the samples to promote what? Well, well, the samples is one of my my favorite things, and I think that's something that basically came from me. I mean, I, I didn't create the team; that that was just that just, the, the new team of developer advocates just started like a couple of weeks or months earlier. But um, I, I always, um, you know, wanted to write you know code and, and new things, you know, bleeding edge stuff that that nobody else had ever done. Um, and you know, that's 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 for me personally the, the most um, interesting thing because I, I love learning new things and I like doing things that other people haven't done yet. Mm-hmm. So for me to give the same talk two or three times is is, is rather boring. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so you know, always always trying to to find something new. You know, the next big thing and and try to think about okay, how does it how could it make value for our customers for our developers? Um, what is missing? Um, and you know, a good example is this cloud native starter pack example, right? That 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 I created here this year with uh, mm-hmm. two of my colleagues, mm-hmm. because when I looked at the beginning of this year, you know, for samples, you know, which samples are available for MicroProfile, Istio, Kubernetes, and then Java, OpenLiberty. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of samples, and and certainly um, since the beginning of this year, many new samples have been added. But the one thing that I was missing is that the one application that shows you a full end-to-end enterprise application, mm-hmm. you know, with a nice front end, with some microservices, with databases, SQL, no SQL, um, with um, you know, um, authentication, authorization, um, and and I didn't really find any of that. You know, I. I you know, searched in the internet. I asked um, colleagues, and, and that's when I decided that it would be cool to have um, you know a new sample that, that shows how to use these things together. Mm-hmm. And then we, you know, I, I could blog about it. The, the blogs were pretty um, popular, um, and I could use it on many different conferences to talk about. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it's I think a really good way for people to start um, writing microservices, mm-hmm. right? So my, my focus was. So, so the, the only samples that I saw, that I found, right, were samples that were way too complicated to start with. You know, most of them you couldn't even run locally because they would require, I don't know, more than 30 gigabyte of RAM or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and for a starter, um, you know, it needs to be simpler. And especially when we talk about all of these technologies like Java and Istio and Kubernetes and MicroProfile, there's a lot of stuff people have to learn, you know, at the same time. So I wanted to make the example as, as consumable as possible, you know, mm-hmm. especially for the, the first-time experience, right? Mm-hmm. So we wrote a lot of scripts so that you can install and set up these different pieces, you know, separately and very easily. 
Yeah. Um, uh, one one question before we start about talking yeah. about the cloud native starter is: uh, you are a team lead of Evangelist. This is your role right now. Yeah, I, I guess that's fair. Yeah. Okay, so it's so similar to I don't know whether um, as I know Sun had also the Java E and Java Evangelist at Sun, so this is similar role right now. What you are doing here at IBM, right? What happened? I, I think so. It, it's it's yeah. It's, it's I mean it's all you know titles and roles is always difficult to yeah no no but just explain, not but roles yeah. but the, yeah um, the task, yeah but it's the same yeah, it task, close. Yeah. or or the yeah, mission yeah. the similar mission let's say yeah I, I think that's fair okay. And uh, you approached me at the JAX conference. This was uh, last year. Uh, no, this year. And this year. Yeah. This year. And uh, I had to say I was really overloaded with work. So it is amazing what happens. So the interests in Jakarta and MicroProfile this year are way beyond possible. I got you know, requests from yeah. larger companies and smaller companies more and more are interested because I think because of the productivity of the whole thing. And uh, you approach me again at the WJAX conference and say, okay, this is now, uh, I really have to do something. And I reviewed the whole uh, um, Cloud Native Starters. I looked through the code a little bit. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nice. Uh, uh, Node.js, uh, the Java parts, a little bit Kubernetes and all the settings. And yeah. I have to say, in mostly, it is really pragmatic. So uh, what I don't like in most examples, they are somehow over-engineered, you know, the this is hard to tell, so really. So most examples, this is why I also created the uh, Maven archetypes for Jakarta mm -hmm. and back then Java, because what I saw in the internet, this was why they started, you know, with several plugins and I had no idea why they need plugins. I never use any plugins in production. And mm -hmm. and, and you are similar, similar pragmatic. So, yes. uh, so like, exactly. you know, the two articles and authors, two microservices you delivered, uh, the yep. POM looks like my POM, so there is nothing in it. So no, like no, no mm -hmm. POM, POM inheritance, nothing. Um, about the code, it could be still simplified. Uh, so you had already a DAO, which I think is not needed. So uh, I would write less code. But yeah, yeah. If, if I find some time, I could create a pull request and. Uh, uh, oh, that would be awesome! Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, I will do. Yeah, you, you're stuff. right. It's always you know to, to, you you always need to find the the, the right balance, right? I yeah. Mean, you, you don't want to to open source and and use a hack. To educate people, right? It yeah. needs to be something more solid. At the same time, you don't want to over-engineer to make it too complicated, yeah. to add too many abstractions and overhead and things you just don't need. Yeah, yeah it's it's always certainly balance. But uh, what I really like, you 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 deliver. You know, uh, I just opened the code right now. So you have um, you have a Docker file, Docker Pure Java, and you have uh, Quarkus. You even delivering a Docker file with yeah. Quarkus. Um, uh, Kubernetes with OpenShift. So what I um, also find interesting that you are also delivering not not only scripts for OpenShift or MiniShift, but I can also find you know the complete Kubernetes YAML files. Yep. Where, exactly. Yeah, and this is uh, added value because um, you see you know what happens or what cloud native really means, and um, and uh, yeah, what you basically did, you have two examples. Is one is articles and authors, and authors accesses a database with JPA or in memory, and uh, yep. the articles has, uh, as, as far as I know, there is no persistence involved, I think. And uh, you also have Vue.js frontend, uh, which accesses the backend, and then uh, you know uh, you have an ingress controller, so you try you know to show how the infrastructure yep. everything fits together, even with yep. Istio. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, so. so Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to say Istio. We added Istio so so that you could so that we could especially demonstrate how easy it is to do things like uh, traffic management. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, this the sample that we have there is this A/B testing um, or not not A/B testing. It's it's a traffic routing eighty twenty percent, and and all you need to do is this you know one simple um, YAML file, and, and then everything works magically. You get a great monitoring with Kiali, a tool that is integrated with um, Istio. You see, you know, the the traffic flowing live in in, in this tool. You, you see, you know, when do errors occur? You know, which invocations um, where bottlenecks. So so that's why why we really wanted to put Istio in there, and also because we use it internally in in many of our products. Mm -hmm. um, plus, also it's it's very easy to use on the IBM cloud because you know when you use the IBM Kubernetes server uh, service um, there, there are add-ons and you can install Istio with just one click it's mm -hmm. it's an add-on and you know one click you have it and that's that's what I kind of like I mean I know there are other 
solutions, as we talked about briefly, right, in terms of how you would do things like A-B testing, canary rollouts and stuff. But, um, you know, sometimes they are proprietary or, you know, not that sophisticated. And, and Istio is, is, is really good there because it gives you all these capabilities. There's, you know, big companies behind it, right? Not only IBM, but probably Google and others. And there's a lot of stuff going on and it's getting much and much easier to use. Um, so that's why we added that part. And also because, as you know, there is some overlap between microprofile and Istio. Right. And um, I, I found this article from Emily, um, the, the microprofile lead um, yeah. that she wrote, I think. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. That she wrote like a couple of months ago. And that was exactly about when should you use what. And I, I couldn't agree more with her. And, and her statement was, and, and that's my recommendation now as well. For everything, for all the features where you can use um, Kubernetes or Istio, in other words, these generic platforms do it. But only for the things that you cannot do generically, you have to do in frameworks like MicroProfile. You know, for example, application-specific metrics mm -hmm. or application-specific authorization, right? Those are things you cannot handle with Istio or Kubernetes. But other th things like, I don't know, fault injections or, um, you know, again, this traffic management or other security things, right? You don't have to put in your code. You know, this is done with, with Istio, you know, all the invocations, um, you know, the invocation um, chains, et cetera, right? You can see um, easily. Um, and, and so that that's kind of the, the recommendation. And, and that's one of the, the main points I wanted to bring across here, when, when to use what technology. Yeah, uh, I think... We should meet in a couple of weeks and just discuss Istio because uh, it's not that easy. So um, uh, uh, Istio is going. Yeah, to you're right. Istio could be a topic on its own. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the um, Istio, uh, if Istio becomes, you know, a part of the OpenShift in uh, OpenShift four, yes. then it, I would it, just it is use already it right now. Yeah, right. It's yeah. in four two. Yeah, yeah. I would just, I would just, I would just use it. And yeah. uh, the more interesting part is if you have microprofile for tolerance, like uh, the annotations. Is it better, you know, to code to use the uh, fallbacks and retries in source code using Istio? And so in my personal opinion right now is the microprofile, I would go with microprofile, and the reason is you see everything in one place, so it's easier to test. And in Istio, you, ha you have to look at the configuration of Istio to understand, you know, all the patterns. And uh, for me, it rem reminds me on the early J2E where I had to look at the deployment descriptor and the source code to understand what's going on. But uh, everything yeah, I, else, and yeah. I think the killer feature is, of course, you know, cert certificate distribution. This is where Istio uh, shines as one of the yes. killer features. Yep. I would like to manage this by myself. So I think it will. Istio is just going to be used without any hype. This is a uh, like you know, like right now in OpenShift, there is already Docker registry built in, and no one talks about that. It's just used as yeah, many yeah. don't even right. recognize that we have Becomes Docker registry at some yeah. point. Yeah. yeah. So this is what happens. But um, what I did right now is I was just curious. Um, I just what it also come with. You have a Spring Boot uh, example, which uh, which uh, I, have, I just also reviewed that. I was just curious what you did, which has the most complicated build system, and I just built it right now. And uh, it is the largest jar, so they have forty four megs, which had to be deployed. Everything else is tiny. So it's a, so to, to to be honest. Um you know that part is certainly not complete. Okay, okay. Um, so we we did the the micro profile part. That was what we really focused on, and then I I um, you know tried to pull in an expert um, from from another team, okay. um, an expert for Spring Boot. Okay, and I tried I tried to get him to implement the same services for Spring Boot so that you could compare Spring Boot versus micro profile. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, you know, while he was interested, he, he didn't really have enough time to work on it, unfortunately, at least until now. So I, I would love to extend the Cloud Native Starter for Spring Boot because, as you know, if there are 12 million Java developers, as you hear, you know, 6 million are <laughs> Jakarta, MicroProfile, and 6 million are Spring Boot. So I, I would love to extend that example. Um, but, but right now, this is really just a very, you know, first starting point for Spring Boot and something that is not complete. Okay. And also something that we haven't even talked about. And there's no block or anything. So this is kind oh, of a dark just, launch kind interesting. of thing. I just built it behind the scenes right now and it worked right away. So I have okay. my article, no, author's jar. And, uh, and it worked. 
So I would just look. Yeah, no, it, it, it does work. I mean, we, we don't commit, um, you know, things that don't work, but the, you know, there's again, no documentation, no, no, no blocks and also things like there, there are no application specific metrics. There's no, um, I don't know, um, resiliency built in and all of these things that they are, they're still missing, right? So there's. Yeah, but it's already a nice comparison between what you have yeah, to do no, with Spring Boot in yeah. MicroProfile. What I see you have dependencies like starter actuator and starter data JPA and starter web. So this actually, you see, you know, what's the difference? So it's, uh, interesting this comes from somewhere else i get the question of what is the comparison spring boot and micro profile mm. i cannot yep. say that because i do 100 jakarta in micro profile and see sometimes spring boot mm. but it's not my uh, uh, core core projects i'm doing and mm. um now really interesting because you are a nodes developer and you also created the node.js example yes so so yeah i i yeah what is your opinion about node.js uh well i i i really like Node.js. okay mm -hmm. first of all um I, it, it's fun to mm -hmm. to work with it's fun mm -hmm. to to develop mm -hmm. um and i did quite a lot with it like you know maybe when was it two three years ago i i built a tool to to create basically skills for for um, personal assistance you know things like you know alexa and and what have you right google home etc et and i built um, a tool which was um, purely web-based mm -hmm. Um, so you could define your your skills, your intents, your entities, you know, all of these things. Um, mm -hmm. And there was um, a lot of code, um, and I used a lot of TypeScript, and it, it was basically running in the front end. There was also Node.js um, in the back end for mm -hmm. everything else. Mm -hmm. And it, it was a lot of fun um, to, to work with that technology. There are so many tools, and I, I guess the thing that I like most about it is the, the innovation. There's mm -hmm. lots of stuff going on, you know, and and all the cool kids feel sometimes, you know, they they use no jazz um, these days, um, and it's it's good there that there is so much innovation, and that brings me to to one of the main issues, right? Which is, I think, recognized by many people, which is that sometimes you have an issue to identify, you know, your stack that you want to use, you know, what, what which NPM modules do you want, you know, mm -hmm. can you rely on them, you know, mm -hmm. do you know that they are maintained, mm -hmm. um, you know. So that that's the thing that that I don't really like about it, and um, that that sometimes you know you you pull in this this huge amount of dependencies, and and, and you don't even understand anymore what, what it is and who it come where it comes from. So you know in some cases you know you, you don't have the the type of standardized platform as Jakarta, for example, right, or Java E. Um, yeah, um, which you could basically rely on that that it won't break anything, or at least not with deprecating and and then whatever. Um, so, so that's yeah. So there's certainly good and, and bad things, but but again, the thing that I like about it is, is, is the speed, you know, in which things happen. The, the the huge amount of NPM modules you can find, basically a module for everything, okay. which is good and bad at the same time. And if you compare, I would say, productivity from Node.js with MicroProfile, um, in in focus not on Alexa skills rather than you would say business project. Yeah. What um, what is the impression? So how fast are you with Node.js or MicroProfile? Is it comparable? So what's your impression? It's hard to, to, to say, but um, I, I would rather think that, that I, at least like a year ago, I was probably um, more productive with Node mm -hmm. um, because, you know, things like invoking REST APIs and then, you know, doing the serialization of JSON objects and stuff, right? I mean, you, you get this for free in Java, mm -hmm. JavaScript. Mm -hmm. This has been around forever, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, finally, with MicroProfile, you know, you, you get this REST client, you know, who, who, who does these things for you as well. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I think Java has, and especially MicroProfile has done a great job there to, to provide these these tools that you really need, you know, the most common things to build these microservices. Um, and, and then also other things like, I mean, it, it, for, for Node.js, it has been probably been able forever to do like things like um, hot code replace from your IDE, like mm -hmm. you use Visual Studio Code, you know, you do control S and bang, your application is already refreshed, right? And you can, within milliseconds, can, can start to try the change or to debug it, right? And mm -hmm. as you know, now with MicroProfile and, and OpenLiberty and Quarkus, you can do that finally also. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's why I think Java has catched up a lot this year. You know, mm -hmm. there's a lot of stuff and cool stuff going on with Java. Like a year ago, I would say the winner in terms of productivity was probably Node.js. Mm -hmm. For me, it's actually interesting to hear because uh, if if both are comparable, 
then they are comparable. You no, know, it's not like Node.js is orders of magnitude more productive than MicroProfile. But what I already uh, heard from, from Node.js developers in larger projects is reloading is not as fast as in the smaller one. So um, it's Node yeah, also gets slower, you know, if you have a lots of modules. And yeah, the inter interesting part would be to compare a large Node.js system with a larger MicroProfile mm -hmm. or Jakarta system. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah. cool. So where people can find you and uh, what, what are the links on the internet? Well, everyone can find me on Twitter. My direct tweets are open, N Heidloff, N for Nicholas, and then my last name, Heidloff. Mm -hmm. And I also have my own blog, my last name, Heidloff.net. Mm -hmm. Cool. And uh, the link to the uh, Cloud Native Starter? Yeah, good point. So the, the, probably the easiest way to do is just to go to Google and search for Cloud Native Starter, and it should be the first first search result. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't find it there, go to the IBM organization on GitHub, and that you can find it there as well. Mm -hmm. And by the way, uh, the compiler, I just remember the name, is Jikes. This was the compiler yeah. written in C, which was crazy fast from IBM. Mm -hmm. Jikes. Yeah, it, it, yeah it's, it's, it's funny. Things, you know, keep repeating itself. Like, you know, what's going on with Quarkus now and the GraalVM. This is, this is yeah. awesome. This yeah. is incredible. You know, yeah. I'm really amazed. So, so see you in a few weeks, month, yeah. or conferences. So thank you and bye. Thanks a lot for having me. Bye.